0: Alex (laughs) Zaccaroli. Check. How about now? I'm just going to start talking, and if I, if I get really loud and then really quiet, just, you know, pick up your hands or whatever. Uh, I am, first of all, painfully aware that I... It's on now. Okay, cool. Yeah. I stand in the gap this morning, not the gap that Ezekiel stood in, but the gap between you guys and the bagels. So I will try to get to this quickly. I want to um, start by uh, we're by building on what I thought was an awesome job that, uh, that Dave did last week. I've I've still got my chart. I actually tried to spend some time filling this out um, and seeing <coughs> going from the old man to the new man. For those of you who here last, last week, maybe you got one of these too. It's was, it was awesome. Um, until I tried to start filling it out that I didn't really like it very much. Uh, money, kind of getting there, work getting there, social life. I don't really have one, so that's not a problem. Um, anyway, it was challenging to me. So, I actually would encourage you if, you, if you don't have this, go back on the website, pick it up, and uh, pray about it, and then fill it out, and then see where you are at the end of the year. I thought that was a great thing, and we're going to try and build on that a little more this morning. So, let me just open us really quickly in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We ask that you would send your spirit to be among us, Lord, to enlighten us and to uh, give us your word, Lord. We ask that you would be present in our lives and that... Only your truth might be spoken here today. Yes, this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Um, and if you open up there, you're going to find that we're starting off with the word therefore. So when we have a therefore, what do we ask ourselves? What's it there, What's it there for? You are all scholars. Hermeneutic, very important hermeneutic uh, principle there. What's it there for? Okay, so it's a continuation of a thought. So this is going to mean we're going to have to go backwards um, a little bit just to understand what Paul's going to be talking about in these chapters. He's basically going to be giving us practical advice, I'd say, on some level, on spiritual matters. Um, But before we get there, we want to ask what's he giving us practical advice about? So I'm going to back up a little bit here, um, back up to verse 20 really quickly. Which begins with "but," which is yet another continuation of a thought, but if we keep doing this, we're going to be back in the beginning of Romans, so I'm just going to start there. Uh, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have learned him I mean you have heard him and have been taught in him just as Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of your life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust, lust of deceit, and that you, renewed, you be renewed in the spirit of mind, of your mind. Sorry. Well, my mind is still waking up. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Okay? So before I even get to that first verse, we've got to kind of wrestle with this a little bit. And and what I want to focus here on, because I think the rest of this builds on this, is that word likeness of God. Which is interesting to me because it seems to me that trying to be like God is what got us into a little bit of trouble in the first place, is it not? If we go back to Genesis, way back at the beginning, Genesis 3, verse 4, we have a couple of people who wanted to be like God. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was um, good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave it to her husband, and with her he ate. And we know what else came from there. Of course, being like God is, is exactly uh, what Satan was all about, if you go back to Isaiah 14, verse 12 um, and through 14, which uh, there's some debate over whether that's really about Satan, but I believe it is. Um, and, you know, and, and Isaiah 14 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nation. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So all of a sudden, we've got this situation where we're being like God, cast us all into sin eternally or until a certain time, as we know, and now at this point in Ephesians, where we are to be in the likeness of God, um, something happened. It's not rocket science. You all know what happened. We can't be like God, but God became like us. God comes down. God dies on a cross and says, if you want to be like me, this is how you do it. Um, And I think that's... A little bit of a long-winded way to introduce ourselves into these chapters, because I think these—sorry, these these passages—because I think it's important to understand um, how to go about some of the things Paul's asking us to do, and that is to be like Jesus. What is it like to be like Jesus? Well, we need to be born again. But remember, Jesus was born into poverty. He was born into a dilapidated manger. Um, He was born into a situation where he was vulnerable and nothing without grace. Maybe we need to trade in our Mercedes or our Maseratis or our Ford F-150 Raptors. I'm going to get that into every time I talk up here. I'm going to get the Raptor in. Yeah, for a donkey. In other words, we need to be content with what we've been provided with. We need to be humble. We need to be meek. You, you, You see the larger point here. What God is calling us to do is be willing to die on the cross for him if need be. Through humble service and adoration. Okay, so all of that. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, <clears throat> let me just get you. So we start with 25. Again, I want to look at this in the prism of being like Christ versus being like Satan. And lying is the height of arrogance. To me, it's the height... Who was the great deceiver? Who was the great model of lying? It was Satan, of course. We're fooling ourselves, of course, when we think we can get away with something that God can't see. I think of Adam and Eve in the garden and how silly they were when they were hiding from God as though he wasn't going to be able to find them. Um, And, of course, the whole thing began with a great lie. When Satan said, surely you will not die. Um, John 8, 4 says, you are the father of the devils." This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, obviously. And what you want to do, do uh, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That tells me on another level that our lies come from the embedded sin nature that we all wrestle with. And we have to obviously pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to subdue that. But even a little white lie is a road to destruction. I, I submit to you that there's a much narrower, shorter gap between that little white lie. And that big lie, that lie that leads to, to, to thievery, the lie that leads to stealing, the lie that leads to adultery, the lie that could lead to murder, who knows? So, practically speaking, what's Paul saying? Don't speak falsehoods. Um, again, this isn't com- complex stuff. <coughs> but it, it is eternally important. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Okay, I've got to just very quickly give a little story here that um, kind of embodies this. I don't know if you all have one of these. I have one of these in my house. It's a cabinet that is possessed by a demon. I kid you not. Um, it's in our kitchen, and uh, I didn't know that said demon was in the cabinet, Uh, until one time when my wife was out of town she was traveling in Africa and I was taking care of the kids um, and I was being Mr. Mom which I'm not very good at being Mr. Mom I'm okay at being Mr. Dad but Mr. Mom's hard for me and I was making dinner and getting everything all together and um, I went into this cabinet and the thing about this cabinet and this particular demon is that when you take a plastic container which is what's stored in this cabinet and you put it in there it, it What's the word that Calvin transmorgifies, I think, is the word? that It does something to that container such that no lid will match the container. <laughs> do, you know, do you guys have one? Of, do you ever had this problem? Well, I went in, and I, I don't know what I had made, some soup or something, and I got a container out, and I filled it up, and then, of course, went looking for a lid and couldn't find it, and then not thinking about trying to look for a lid and a container together, I got another container out, and I put it in there, and then I couldn't find a lid for that, and Blah, 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 and here are my, my little ones, my little eyes that are always watching us are like just seeing this unfold. And um, I, I'll cut to the chase. Within uh, a few minutes, there was a, a, a whirlwind of plastic in my kitchen because I couldn't believe that we could possibly have all these containers, including that Cool Whip container that we moved three times for some unknown reason, you know, without a lid. Anyway, yeah, I, I actually did. I had, I had a bit of a fit that night. Um, and, and I remember that. I raise it because I distinctly remember it because my kids were watching me going, what on earth is wrong with him? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny now. It was incredibly pathetic at the time. It really was. It was, it was, it was anger, uh, sinning and anger because it was just, just silly rage. So, look, I say that's funny, but we get, on, we get into traffic. We do this all the time, don't we? Um, be angry but do not sin the sins that come with anger can, can, can really be a lot worse than throwing some plastic around your kitchen some of, you, some of you might know that I pray for you and I pray that we all would really take heart about this particular um, instruction from Paul uh, I, I would note though he, Paul doesn't say don't get angry so let's go back to Jesus I think that's where we always need to go. He doesn't say, don't get angry, right? What does he say? He says, in your anger, do not sin. Um, but Jesus got angry. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. Matthew twenty-one thirteen. I mean, 21, uh, 12 through 13, Jesus does a few things um, with some money changers in a temple. Just don't think he just sort of uh, said, please, can you guys stop selling your stuff here? No, I mean... Flipped the tables over, he got angry. But the thing about Jesus that um, I noticed as I thought about this some more, was that um, he got angry, of course, because God was being insulted. We ought to be angry about that, righteous anger. We ought to be angry when the world uses our Lord's name in vain, when the, lo- the world does not honor him. That's the, that's the example Jesus set. What Jesus didn't get angry about was when he didn't get his way. Jesus never got angry when, basically, they brought him out and they were nailing him to the cross and everything that he went to, when he was flogged, when, when, when he was insulted, when he was spat upon. That's pretty remarkable. Um, so what do we take from this? So, I mean... What is sinful anger? I might submit to you it's anger from stems maybe from desiring to protect your own interests. It's selfish anger. It's why didn't I get my way anger. Um, But what's righteous anger? Well, that's fighting for God. And and finally, he says, don't let the sun go down on our anger. Um, Just as we shouldn't act in haste, thus we may sin, like my example of the or the Tupperware. Also, um, we must ensure our anger gets diffused before that sun goes down. Don't carry it with you. Um, so, don't be angry. He who steals must not steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with those who have need, who has need. Let's go back to Jesus again. Our, our example from Jesus is, is that he gives, and he gives, and he gives. He, he, even when he realizes, you know, and he tells Peter, we don't, we're not subject to the temple tax. What does he do? He pays it. He pays it. He goes out and, and, and um, instructs um, th- them to get the, the coin from the fish. Um, alternatively, we have Satan in John 10:10. He is the thief who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. So that's pretty straightforward. <coughs> we are to labor. That word "labor" is kupao, uh, means to toil. But when I looked at that Greek word. It, it's not just labor like work. It's it, it's 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 actually wearisome labor. Labor to extreme fatigue actually was the words that were used. I found that pretty interesting. So. Um, Work hard at what we do. It's practical, but it's a great reminder. And it's something we need to do. Why? Because um, we may have an opportunity to bless God through how we are able to bless others with the fruits of our labor. Okay, we've got to get to the bagels here in a moment. So let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Um, this is more than just not cussing. This is about sarcasm, cynicism, sneering. Anything I would submit that doesn't build up the body potentially tears it down. Okay, and this is one of those areas. I don't know if you all have read the book, Respectable Sins, but... It's one of these areas. It's one of these areas where we don't really see the sin for what it is because we're not talking about sexual immorality, or we're not talking about murder, or we're not talking about all those really big, juicy sins. We're talking here about what comes out of our mouth in terms of how we build other people up, and um, and we need to watch that. Now, wait a minute, I, I, and I, I did notice this. Um, what about what's our what's our example from Jesus? Because he had some. Not so nice things to say about the Pharisees, right I mean he called them a brood of vipers um, The funny thing about that passage it's uh matthew twelve thirty five through thirty seven is that Jesus is actually using that opportunity because the Pharisees um were not always um speaking edifying words themselves, he uses that opportunity to make this point. He, He says, the good man brings out of his good treasure what is good and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil but I tell you that every careless word that people speak they will give an accounting for on the day of judgment. I don't need to say anything. Read it in your Bible. By your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Now there's a lot more to that passage I understand. It's saying a lot more than just Say nice things, but I think that that's a great passage to keep in the back of our minds in every time when we open our mouths and um, and speak. Uh, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We see this is this is one of those great passages that tells us a little bit about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is Him, that the Holy Spirit feels, that the Holy Spirit grieves, that the Holy Spirit gets angry, and so, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, It's not something we should do. Lupeo is the word there that grieve, it's to vex, to irritate, to offend, to assault. And again, uh, this is is from the definition to cause severe mental or emotional distress. Um, And we see a parallel passage in Isaiah 63, uh, 7 through 10. For sake of time, I'm not going to go there now, Um, but write that down and go back and look at it, um, because it talks about the Holy Spirit being grieved when the people turn their back on God and the coming Jesus. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the result of our profane words. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And we're just going to be wrapping up here on these. Six things, six other bad behaviors that Paul outlines here. Bitterness, bikria, is the Greek word. Um, it's harshness, animosity, anger, envy. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it uh, many be defiled. Um, envy was what really stuck out to me in that definition. Don't be bitter about what others have. Have joy about what you own. <laughs> Wrath is a sense of fury or a flash of anger that subsides quickly but, quick but leaves great damage in his wake. Um, again, flying plastic comes to mind. Anger or orge is. A sense of wrath that does not subside, okay? Here we have the opposite of, of this, this, this other word, thymos, that anger that is just continuing and is uh, calamitous in its results. Um, clamor is, 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 what is what it is there. Shouting, loud utterances, crying, wailing, okay? That's, that, that gets to what we were talking about, what's coming out of your mouth. Another thing that comes out of our mouth is uh, blasphemia, slander. Abusive words that are falsely spoken to damage someone's reputation. This is one that can, you know, it doesn't have to be on the front page of the New York Post. It can happen right at your tables. Whatever you say about someone else, if it's spoken untrue and damages their reputation, attacks the body of Christ. And lastly, malice. Perverting virtue and moral principles uh, from their purposes to evil ends, is one of the definitions I read of that um, word. So, wow, this was a downer, wasn't it? I don't feel that good about myself when I read this stuff. Um, and I realize that I'm a little more like, um, like maybe Satan is than I care to admit. Uh, as I wrestle with some of these things, but it's okay because we have a Savior who has given us grace and has shown us the way as we've talked about earlier. And what is the way? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That speaks for itself. I'm not going to go parsing out Greek words there. Um, and therefore... And, of course, we circle all the way back. Be imitators of God as, he be- as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So, yeah, we are on this side of the cross, and we can be like Christ, and that is amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you... You sent your Son, Jesus, that you came down for us and modeled for us what it means to be truly like God in a God-honoring way. Lord, we ask you to walk with us and to help us and to correct us as we go uh, when we need correction, Lord. Um, To have mercy upon us, Lord. to Give us your grace, your mercy, and your peace. Lord, we pray that you would go out today and go out with each of these men, Lord, and let them be your light in the community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.